Hello, Grand Geeks. This is Tyler. I know the Grand Geek Gathering hasn't had a lot of podcasts out besides continuations and indie comics since Comic-Con, but we are coming back full force. We've been working on new shows that are coming out. And one last announcement is that the Grand Geek Gathering is going to have five panels at LA Comic-Con. LA Comic-Con is from October 26th through the 28th in the LA Convention Center. Hope to see you there. Unnecessary debates will be there. We're also going to have Tales of the Comic Book Shop, How to Find Your Genre, this is going to be moderated by Michael Tanner. And we're also going to have Playing It Out on the Tabletop. And also a really, really exciting, awesome panel, which is Geeks for Good. So if you care about charities and you want to start up a charity, that's going to be a panel for you. I really hope you enjoy this show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to Indie Comics. This is Maddie. And this is Jeff. And this is Tyler. And we have a very special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself, Dave? Hey, guys. This is Dave Lucarelli, the writer of Tinseltown from Alterna. Woo woo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dave, how have you been? I'm doing good, man. <laughs> Sweet. You you have been on one of our panels before at Comic Con Revolution. Woohoo. And that was yeah, a lot of fun. fun. Yeah. You're 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 awesome. I, I like him. He's always a nice he's like one of the nicest people. Pretty awesome. He has yeah. some great hair. Yeah. Can't see it, but look up a picture of him. <laughs> this guy is so flowing wavy locks, guys. Yeah. Just really jealous of that. Well, let's start finding out how <laughs> awesome Dave is, or at least for the listeners to find out how awesome Dave is. What hair product do you use and or how did you get into comics? Um, Both of Shampoo. <laughs> of course. Oh, he has great eyelashes too. It's fine. <laughs> what got you into comics? What got me into comics? You know, I've been into comics my whole life, as far back as I can remember. Um, I think I, you know, my dad turned me on to them originally. He was an English teacher, and, uh, you know, he has a PhD in medieval literature, so he Ooh. raised me with a love for adventure stories, and that kind of naturally gravitated to comics. Uh, he actually took me to my first convention in, when I was in second grade. So, wow. Oh, wow. Which one was that? Uh, Questar. Uh, oh. You guys are probably too young to remember Questar magazine, but uh, it was in the. I remember like, the magazine. Early to mid seventies, and so they had like a Questar convention in Pittsburgh, where I'm originally from. Did that's you dress cool. up? Oh man, that's great. Did you wear a costume? I didn't wear a costume, but about a year later, I entered the costume contest as uh, the Wolfman. Oh, and I thought, yes, that's like, awesome. Enter, en youngest entrant. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, so wait, how old were you? For the for the costume, for, for that the I would have been probably in third grade. Okay, that's cool. so great. So, how did that kind of escalate into comics specifically? The costume? <laughs> no, like the medieval <laughs> literature and the stories, and you know why comics as a medium versus writing or. Okay, well, um, yeah, I mean, I've always been a writer, but I kind of concentrated more on being a musician for a mm. number of years. I was in an active band out here called Dame Fortune for about a decade. All nice. throughout 2000, we put out three different CDs and DVD and that kind of thing. And I was the primary songwriter and lyricist. And then I kind of got that to is the so cool. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I kind of got to the point where, you know, I I got married and I had a son. And suddenly the idea of, you know, even if everything went right for the band, if I had to go on tour and then leave my 
wife and son, that didn't sound so appealing. And I'd already made about, you know, five albums in, in various bands and stuff. So I thought, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go to my grave without having written some comics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, uh, what brought about Tinseltown though? Where did the idea come from? Well, so in real life, my mom was a cop. Hmm. She was a cop from about the time I was in third grade on. So I knew a little bit about, you know, uh, some of the things that female officers have to go through. Um, and then I stumbled upon this really interesting bit of, uh, history uh, about universal studios, which is that in 1915, they were kind of a proto feminist organization Hmm. in that they had a female, uh, mayor, female police chief and female police officers. And they kind of saw themselves as a semi autonomous, uh, city apart from Los Angeles, which they kind of were, Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, they weren't above exploiting those female officers by marching them in parades and short skirts. Um, they weren't full-fledged police officers. They were kind of a cross between lot security guards and uh, and dressed up, up actors that were there to kind of amuse the tourists and stuff. Mm-hmm. Huh. So what like made you want to turn that into a comic specifically? Uh, I'm sorry, what? What like what brought that into a comic for you? Like what? How did the story come to be? And well, yeah. So I thought that 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 dichotomy was really interesting, and yeah. as tough as it was for my mother being a police officer in the late seventies and eighties, um, you know, I thought like how much harder would it have been for some of the first female uh, police officers? And then the other side of that coin was my day job. I work for Twentieth Century Fox. I'm a sound engineer. Hmm. Been doing that for about twenty years. Oh. So. I kind of knew a little bit about, you know, what it's like to work in Hollywood and and things like that. So I thought I could kind of take those two sides of the coin, my experience with female police officers and working in Hollywood and uh, make a make a good story of it. So in the in the comic book, what what era does it actually uh, take place in? And um, like what kind of research would you get? Did you do to kind of get into that whole like my mindset? Yeah, so it took place in 1915. Um, in the comic book, we don't call it Universal Studios. We call it Utopia yeah. Studios, but it's kind of a pastiche of that. Right. <laughs> you know, and yeah, we did we did research as, as much as is possible. Uh, some of the events that happen in the comic book are influenced by um, some of the real types of things that were happening at Universal at the time. Um, you know, they're not necessarily based on any specific characters, and certainly we have no evidence that anybody in the entertainment industry has ever been involved in any crimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. And what do you love most about uh, Tinseltown specifically? I mean, what does it most appeal to you? Um, well, to me, I think on one hand, it's a, it's a nice tribute to my mother. She passed away a few years ago. Oh, sorry um, to hear that. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, but, uh, and on the other hand, you know, I think that, um, we're in a time right now where the relations between police and, and the public are not really always good. I mean, there's a lot of tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that part of the solution to that problem is we need more female police officers because I think that, um, speaking in general terms, female police officers are often able to come into situations, diffuse them, 
figure yeah. out what's going on, listen to both people's side of the story. And, you know, male officers, some of them are able to do that. And others go in like gangbusters and just kind of add fuel to the fire. Yeah, I, I could not agree more, yeah, actually. Absolutely. And I think it's funny, too, because I think so often we we look at emotion, uh, women and say, oh, well, they're so emotional. And, you know, like they'll jump right into things. And often it's the men who end up doing that. And I think especially with with police officers, there's a certain type of maybe a little bit more aggressive men that tend yeah. to join. And I think you're totally right just about being able to diffuse situations and really look at it from different angles. And I love that it's kind of hitting two very political social issues right now with the police and also then with women and being able to take positions like this and succeed. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I mean, the whole me too movement and everything kind of came, uh, came about after, uh, like the original book, I had the idea and everything like that. It wasn't, I've read some things where they say, Oh, this is alternate comics capitalizing on this, but people, people don't really understand the timeline of how long it takes to make a comic book. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, it is. And I think that maybe, you know, you just kind of understood that this is an important story right now and kind of always and that it happened to, to be right now. And I think it's getting, you know, more and more to the forefront of, of politics and, and of the conversation. But it's great that you can be a positive influence then within that. I hope so. I hope that, you know, my dream is that one day, uh, you know, like 10, 20 years from now, police, female police officer is going to come up to me and say, hey, you know, I read Tinseltown and that was what made me want to be a cop. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good dream. Let's get yeah, it. Right. And, and kind of to that point, and this is it goes for all of your work, but I mean, maybe particularly for Tinseltown too. like, do you have a particular audience that you try to write for or a theme that runs through some of your work? Yeah, um, you know, I kind of think if if it's a story that I would like to see, if it's a story that I'm interested in, then hopefully other people are going to be able to relate to it. Yeah. Um, but I think the theme, the theme in in my in the stuff that I write is probably um, characters that are trying to find their place in the world, hmm. uh, and that world is usually uh, indifferent to their existence at best, and sometimes openly hostile. Hmm. I like that. It's it's a very true uh, true theme because I think we're all just kind of trying to figure it out and find our place and maybe make a place for ourselves if we can't find it. Exactly. That's wonderful. Now we've seen a lot about uh, what goes into this comic, but what I want to also hear about it are um, who are some of your literary and or artistic influences, uh, David? Yeah, especially for this story. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, well, let's see. Um, you can name as few or as many as you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all hundred. <laughs> he has a list prepared. Alan Moore, probably my favorite all time. Oh yes. Um, I think that he's he was doing stuff, you know, at the beginning of his career that people are still trying to figure out and analyze exactly. Yeah. How mm -hmm. he was doing it and 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 why it was so effective. I mean, he was just breaking rules left and right and kind of rewriting the playbook. Um, Alan Moore, uh, early Frank Miller, oh, yes. uh, Neil Gaiman. Those yeah. are some of my favorites. I mean, when it comes to artists and stuff, I, I'm a big fan of stylists. I like, you know, Jack Kirby, Dave oh, Stevens, yeah. people like that. Okay. That's great. I mean, who, uh, so were you trying to channel all of them while, while making this comic specifically, or was there maybe somebody else that you kind of looked at their work and be like, oh man, like I, I like this kind of storytelling or maybe this dialogue for these characters? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I was necessarily trying to 
Well, definitely, definitely a little bit of Dave Stevens, actually, because yeah. you know, if you look at some of Henry Ponsian's yes. art, yeah, in, especially in issue one, there's a, there's a few breakdowns that he did where I kind of feel like he was channeling Dave's spirit a little bit there. <laughs> and, and it's funny to that you mentioned that because when I looked over the first one, when I first looked at it myself at my at my local store, actually, I was thinking like. I see a little bit of the Rocketeer in this for some reason. I really do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and too oh many... I, I love the Rocketeer. I'm a huge fan of the old serials. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, it's funny. Somebody just said on Twitter that they that something about Tinseltown reminded them of the classic Republic serials, and that was uh, oh. that one went straight to my heart. <laughs> oh. I mean, um, did did you read any of those? Kind of like as you were making them, like just to kind of like, we, I mean, what kind of yeah, like I mean, what was the material you were you were looking at while while, while making something like this? Because what, this comic is very very different from so many that are out there. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this in a very long time, which is why I, I'm really excited to do this comic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny, right? Because um, I think there was initially some hesitation um, about this comic because uh, okay. the publisher Peter Samedi at Alterna kind of floated it around to various uh, retailers that he was uh, used to dealing with, and they initially weren't that enthusiastic about it. You know, the, the world was not necessarily clamoring for a crime drama starring a female police officer set in 1915. I mean, that's the selling point for me, honestly. Right? But, I, <laughs> I mean, read about it, and I was like, I'm in. Yeah, like, like I was like, I want this. <laughs> so the interesting thing is, Peter stuck his neck out, and he worked with them, and... And, you know, he believed in the book and it ended up becoming issues one and two were uh, the top selling books for Alterna when they came out. So see, that's awesome. You know, and I think that part of the reason they were the top selling books is because there's not that many other types of books like that out there right now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like very original. The the era. I mean, oh, yeah, the the era, the, the storytelling, the look of it. I mean, it's it's all something completely new. And of course, like I'm always down for female protagonists. I love female protagonists like we've had. Well, we've had so many books that are female well, protagonists and they're all so amazing. Particularly like a, a female police officer, too, because like I don't personally have any yeah. in my family, but I have friends who have like my friend's mom is a police officer. And I think that's such a strong role model, as you were saying, you know, the yeah. idea that someone could read that and then say, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and also very unique. Cause I think, yeah, there aren't, I mean, <laughs> it makes me think of Brooklyn nine, nine, which is an amazing TV show. Absolutely. Shout out. Um, but you don't get a, a lot of that. And so I think it's really cool because those are usually masculine kind of roles. Yeah. And it's something that really appeals to the historian inside of me too, because this particular story, I would think like, hmm, that would seem something more like you would see like maybe in a 1975 kind of graphic novel, but yeah. 1915, unheard of. So it's like, wow, I, yeah. I, this is something I can sink my teeth into. And you get that cool yeah. film noir. Exactly. Like that exactly. Style. I like, love noir. It's like so no, much. it's like noir before it was noir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what are some of your favorite noir stories? Oh, let's see. You know, I love the old James Cagney gangster mm. movies, yeah. Public Enemy, things like that. Um, I love uh, Always Outnumbered, Always Outgunned. Are you familiar with that oh, book? Yes. I'm not, but I am. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you, struck, you, you struck Jeff's heart. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> What's oh, funny about that book is I like I love that song so much. My band Dame Fortune did a song based on it called Outgunned. So yeah. Have you thought about having a soundtrack or making a soundtrack for your comic? Um, Ooh. not for Tinseltown. Um, Ooh, we did, but 
we did a couple trailers and stuff, and uh, David Rankin, uh, Ranklin was uh, kind enough to do the music for us for that. Um, however, for my other comic, uh, Children's Vampire Hunting Brigade, um, we're doing a song uh, as part of the fulfillment of the Kickstarter. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a band reunion for Dame Fortune. Uh, so that'll be that'll be coming probably December. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Wonderful. What inspired that particular book? I mean, I love the name of it. Is <laughs> I, I have I have <laughs> pretty the, unique. I have as two it. issues of it, right? There's, there's three issues. Um, there's there's some single issues out, and then there's two volumes, two okay. graphic novels. Yeah, the third one is done. It's in the can. It's being printed in China as we speak. So. Ooh. What what um, is it about? Do you want to share a little bit so, about it? So the thing that inspired that is I, I went down the rabbit hole of the internet one night. And I, <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Right? The dark side of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. When you've clicked uh, one link too many. <laughs> um, so I stumbled upon this thing called the, the Gorbals Vampire Incident. Um, I feel like I've So heard of in this. real life in Scotland yes. uh, in the 1950s, hundreds of school kids went looking for a vampire in this one cemetery over several nights. Um, today it's considered mass hysteria. They actually blamed it on the influence of comics at the time. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They used it as a pretext to ban the importation of American horror comics into the UK, mm -hmm. uh, which led to some really interesting uh, debates in Parliament where they talked about how there's good monsters, like the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> you know, because, then, Ness, Nessie. because Nessie, you know, she's yeah. so elusive and we haven't found any bodies yet, so. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so... so um, Actually, just fairly recently, a comic has surfaced that may have been uh, partially responsible uh, for the for the incident. Um, the kind of modern thinking is that it may have been that this comic called, that had a story in it called The Vampire with Iron Teeth got conflated with an urban legend of the Iron Man of the Gorbals, hmm. who was kind of a boogeyman. Um, at the time, the cemetery was sort of run down, and there were a lot of... Uh, low lives that would hang out there so you wouldn't want your kids going there after school so you'd say hey stay away or the iron man from the gorbals is going to get you hmm. um, also there was a steel mill that like ran 24 hours a day and would belch forth red lights and smoke right behind the graveyard oh. so yeah. that did a lot of a uh, lot of atmosphere so anyhow i thought to myself well what if uh these kids actually found what they were looking for hmm. and yeah they they formed the brigade. Then 50 years later, you had a couple of juvenile delinquents who uh, were drinking in that graveyard the night the vampires came back. Nice sales pitch. Yeah. I'm in. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think that, like, somebody was talking. I just recently went to Scotland and someone was telling me about, like, oh, yeah, like, you can't bring horror comics there. Like, it might still be a thing. So what? watch out, kids. Don't import your horror comics. I'm going to go to Scotland and just bring like, Inappropriate just tons content. Of, of horror comics. Have like, you... What, are you, what are you talking about? You don't want Swamp Thing? <laughs> well, the cool thing is I got invited to Glasgow Comic Con a couple years ago yes. based on the book. Um, and uh, I got my own private tour of the cemetery where the incident took place. Oh, that's so cool. They actually did an exhibit at a local art gallery about uh, the cemetery that featured some of the art from the comic. and uh, That's so and neat. Got, what's that? That's so cool. Yeah. It was really, it was the trip of a lifetime, and I got to do research for Volume 3, so Volume 3 yeah. is going to be the most authentic by far. <laughs> 
That's so neat. Did you get to talk to the vampires there? You had a nice conversation? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I can't Did you have an interview the, um, with the vampire? Although I did have a really interesting incident happen to me one one time, uh, really late at night at 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was like mixing the trailer for the first Kickstarter for the Brigade. And uh, it was probably about like two o'clock in the morning. And Nothing I'm walking back to the, the, you know, where my car is parked. And there's just pea soup thick fog everywhere mm-hmm. on the lot. And I, I get up into the parking structure and get into my car, and I notice there's a guy in a truck that is just doing circles uh, around my level of the parking structure really fast, and he's got the windows rolled down, and he is blasting opera. Huh. Oh, my God. That's not right. Anybody I mean, playing opera at, like, a loud tone do? and doing something aggressive is, like, definitely a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we've seen myself, American Psycho. Yeah, that's true. Well, no, I mean, but that was that was that was a different band. Well, he had opera yeah. too. Oh, that's right. He did. You're right. <laughs> what happened? So, well, I, nothing happened. But that, <laughs> you escaped. It's way into volume two. Oh my gosh! That's oh, amazing. okay. Sweet. He escaped with his life. Yeah. Or did he? Maybe we're talking you to guys, a ghost. All the more impetus for us to read. There yeah, should be a whole series of like interview with the vampire, interview with the ghost. Interview with a zombie. Free idea for the world. Interview the ghost would be boring. Why? Because they're quiet? Yeah. What if they're like spooky they're demon ghosts? say boo, boo. I'm <laughs> go on, go I mean, home, my, Tyler. You're done. My jokes are so great. <laughs> I, can't wait to, I can't wait to to moderate at that LA Comic Con. That was so funny. <laughs> um, so sorry. However, though. Yes. Ooh. Yes. I was going to ask you about that at the end, uh, towards the end, but I think we have a couple more questions. I definitely yeah. want to get to that. Uh, Jeff, do you, you have a question? Okay, and this one we have recently started to um, tell people, at least like in the last few months, actually. It was a suggestion from one of the guys we uh, interviewed earlier, but uh, what is the worst review you have ever gotten? We always like to ask everybody. We love to ask everybody. It can be genuine or it can be funny. We bring you high, and then we want, and then we want to bring you up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. bring you back up again before um, the end. Okay, so... Well, yeah, I've gotten a few, you know, um, like whenever you do something, even if a lot of people love it, yeah. there's always going to be like some small percentage that just think it's the worst thing ever. Um, this comic is and, too good. Uh, and they're called wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> incorrect. But those are the ones that stick with you, right? They, those oh, are yeah. the ones that make you go think, hmm, is there something to what they're saying? Yeah. But, uh, you should read my dad's reviews on my podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Really? Because my mom loves it. <laughs> Our two listeners. <laughs> Three, yeah, so four, if you include my parents. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> so in terms of the brigade, um, there was uh, a review that was written just about the first issue mm-hmm. um, that said, um, oh, you know, this is such a terrible book. I don't think that issue two is ever going to come out at the time uh that this was written like volume one was already out Uh, and and then they they said that um the cover for issue two which basically features um the two boys the two protagonists trapped on on top of a mausoleum Mm -hmm. and they're being attacked by a bunch of vampires um all of whom are male and all of whom have 
some of whom have long hair. Um, <laughs> they said that that cover was sexist because it showed female vampires attacking men. And <laughs> I didn't really understand the, the concept. I mean, for one thing, they weren't female. They just had long hair. And for another reason, like, why would that be sexist even if they were female? I, I know. Didn't yeah. Yeah. That so. was like a fun side story. The other day we we're planning like a fire drill stuff in my office and I'm like in charge of it for who knows why reason. Uh, and <laughs> I was like going through the list. I was picking people to like watch the doors and help people evacuate. And after I was done, I realized I'm like, oh, I picked all men. And then I was like, is that sexist that I didn't pick women to like? And I mean, I'm running the evacuation and I'm a woman. So that's something. But I was like, is it bad that I like picked all men like and then i had this revelation where i was like but that means that all the women will like be safe first so maybe it's actually sexist against the men and then i just gave up and said you know what yeah you use the titanic formula you get did. us out of you the building fine. thanks guys so i think it was actually feminist that i left all the men in the burning yeah. building to help us evacuate it's just fine yes yeah, so, so in, in the end you put all kids at the doors right yeah, that's yeah. that's the solution. All, and all, long, they're long-haired men, so the like kids, they're sexually okay. ambiguous. You don't know what's happening. You might be confused, but like you're gonna do what they say. Yeah, full uh, <laughs> oh <dear>. story. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, and fun, I yeah. like that that person just had like needed some glasses. Apparently, yeah, I know, right? And like maybe it, that like, one Amazon review of the person. <laughs> you know what? No, he, the, he's the, sexist. What, Why what, can't what? guys have long hair? Exactly. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler got to the point. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. What were you saying, David? Oh, I was just going to say the, the worst review of Tinseltown, the guy never got past the introduction. Oh, no. Right? What? He, he was somehow so offended. And you guys have read the introduction, right? It's fairly yeah. innocuous, I yeah. think. It's, um, anyhow, yeah, so he read that and he decided that um, it was some like anti men manifesto. <laughs> yes, written by a man. And and somehow the idea of of a female police officer, even as far back as 1915, was just intrinsically offensive to him. So he could not he could not read the actual book. So yeah. like he was obviously not the audience for this. Yeah. Well, yeah, and quite obviously he probably wasn't going to like it in the or first place. Probably then. any good content whatsoever. I, I thought you were going to say like like he just saw words and was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so I'm not actually <laughs> able to read, and I picked this up because the I mean, art looked good, but like it seems like it's too difficult. It's pretty much, so... it pretty much seems like the same thing, though. I think anyone who doesn't actually read a hundred or watch or whatever a hundred percent of a thing <laughs> has no right to review it ever. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah. your bad reviews are nothing. You're welcome. We yeah. decided that for you. See, um, yeah, your bad reviews are awesome because <laughs> it just shows the ignorance they... and horribleness of people, and that's it. And like, it makes you it makes you look better, which is awesome. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh, oh man, I, I, I love that question. I love all the different reviews we get. I know. I but love. Them let's too. bring you back up. Okay, so you have <laughs> you have two amazing stories, and they are completely different from each other. Do you have a like what what audience are you exactly looking for? A hundred percent. And like, you know, and what what kind of themes do you like to add in to, you know, to really, really tell the story you want to do and what? have your audience under, you know, I'm going to stop talking so much. That question is going on <laughs> way too long. Hey, Tyler's going to ask you a 20 minute question. J.R. Tolkien and I, I think we're related. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> <Here> we <go. laughs> you, you done? You all right? You good? Uh, you good, champ? You good? What was just your favorite cookie as well? take away well, the mic. on the favorite cookies at the end. We're just going to take away his mic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, they, they are very different stories, the Children's Vampire Hunting Brigade in Tinseltown. Um, 
But again, I think they're both about like different people that are looking to find their place in the world. And in Abigail Moore's case, she knows what she wants. She knows what she wants to be. Uh, in the case of Gavin and Doug, um, you know, they don't really know what they want to do with their lives, but they know that, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of born into a, a very stifling lower class existence in Europe. And so, you know, the options of running away and joining the circus or joining the punk rock band or going off with some good looking girls to fight vampires all seem like viable uh, choices. <laughs> Which is awesome too, because I mean, just talking about, first of all, side note, I found out recently that my, my great grandfather married someone in the circus, literally oh, ran wow. away to the circus. So that's like a fun fact. I just learned about me, Lithuanian circus family members. So, you know, that's a backup plan. If I can learn how to do anything cool. Um, it's in your blood. But but I love that the, your stories are very much about, you know, like you have a protagonist who's a woman and you have protagonists who are, I mean, children. And I think that's really With cool because you're hair. giving <laughs> ambiguously, you know, <laughs> living their lives. Um, but like you're, you're taking these protagonists who are kind of the underdog, who are kind of, you know, I can be a vampire hunter. I can be a police officer. Like that idea of empowering people that you don't always look at as powerful yeah. and really giving them a voice. And that's really awesome. And I think that, you know, on indie comics, we always try to find creators who are putting something positive into the space and really creating something that has meaning yep. um, and is powerful. And I think especially right now, giving voices, you know, whether they're off killing vampires or, you know, being awesome 1915 feminists. Like, yep. <laughs> that's really important. And I think it's important that people can see that and, and identify with it and, and have that in comics. Absolutely. But very ambiguously. Yeah. You can have <laughs> long hair of either gender. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I'm, I've definitely always related and identified with the underdog. I mean, maybe part of, part of it's being from Pittsburgh. Um I don't know if you guys you remember like uh, around the time of the first Michael Keaton Batman movie. Yeah, oh, I do. Ooh, yes. There was, was a nips. lot of controversy about whether or not he was a good choice for the role oh, because yeah. I think he was, it was every Batman. Right though. <laughs> he was known as Mr. Mom. He was known as a comedian. Yeah. Multiplicity. Uh, Man. Uh, there was a lot of people that were just, just in despair that we would ever see a dark, serious take on Batman on the screen. Um, and I remember he gave a press conference and he said, uh, you know, all I got to say is if you knew me and you knew where I came from, all you got to do is tell me no, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Man. Yeah. See, if, if I was ever like, I'll never be cast as Batman. I mean, look at me, but like, <laughs> if, if I were, I, I mean, I know that I'm on the short list right now. I know, right? I know. Like, like I, I know Ben Affleck wants to leave, and he's the Loki called person, Tyler really personally about uh, his potential bat. Like, like, okay, like, well, listen, we, where Tyler, are you going with you're that? flabby. You're flabby, and, and not not that attractive. Um, would you like to be Batman? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm gonna be Batman. I don't know. If yeah, I, I, that I, with I you. think if anybody was hating on me, I would just say, oh, you know what? It's just I'm Batman, and I just walk away. What is, and I like that idea of Smoke like, bomb. well, just tell me no. Just tell me I can't do something because that's the best way to yeah. be able to do it. And that's one of the reasons we ask the question about what's your worst review is because, you know, like people are always trying to bring other people down. Yeah. And it's like, how do you use that as fuel? And sometimes, yeah, you look at it and say, okay, well, what's the real criticism that I can take out of this and how can I improve? But also, you know, know when to not acknowledge people and prove them wrong and show that, you know, 
people can have opinions. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's true for you. And, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Just because my dad gives me bad reviews doesn't mean that I have to <laughs> listen to him. So. Tyler's dad. Just, you know, <laughs> five stars. Five stars, please. <laughs> As uh, Oscar Wilde said, right, uh, all criticism is a form of autobiography. Yes. 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 I like James going to come on all the time and just do like quotes. Yeah. Like cool, cool quotes. I love it. <laughs> oh, I my can gosh. barely remember what I had for lunch, let alone Oscar Wilde quotes. I respect it. <laughs> Another question that we ask all of our guests are uh, about writer's block. What do you do when um, it's time bum, for bum. crunch time? You're having some writer's block. Um. You know, I, I think that uh, the key to that is working on multiple projects at the same time mm. and just taking a break and yeah. going for, for a walk or, you know, because if you get to a point where your conscious mind has a problem that it can't solve, then doing something completely else, you're yeah. still thinking about it and your unconscious is still sifting through. And I find that you know, you wake up in the morning, you take a shower somewhere in the shower, you go, oh, wait a minute, that's it, right, got it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. So just kind of taking some time away and focusing on other things and letting it come to you. The epiphany. Yeah. Epiphany, Absolutely. Exactly. Um, I guess before we get to our last question and we end the interview, I do want to ask you about the show, the poster that you just showed us. I know the, the listeners can't yes, have no idea what I'm that. talking about. Let's talk about that because that is some awesomeness. Can you tell oh. us about Dr. Zumba's ghost show? Of terror. Of terror. Terror. Show of terror. Yes. So that is a play that I wrote and produced uh, this summer as part of the Fringe Fest. And it is a campy, campy horror comedy um, revival of a type of show they used to put on in the 1950s called a spook show. Love. Uh, which is sort of a lost bit of Americana. Um, before there were haunted houses for Halloween, before there were horror TV hosts and Rocky Horror and all that stuff. Um, they were these traveling shows that would four wall movie theaters and they'd crisscross around America. Yeah. Um, they had kind of a, a, a horror host and they would do some kind of the last vestige of vaudeville. So there'd be some spooky yeah. magic and a seance and some monsters and a little comedy, a little burlesque. And then at the climax of every ghost show, they would have what they call blackout sequence where the entire audience is in total darkness, surrounded by supernatural phenomena that they can see, hear, and feel. And they had all kinds of tricks to make that happen. So what we did is we went back, we studied, we found some of the ghost show manuals from the 1950s. Oh, that is so cool. We figured out how they pulled it off. We came up with a few new tricks of our own, and uh, we, we made the ghost show. So um, it did really well. We sold out four out of five shows this summer. Uh, we won a bunch of awards. We yes. won uh, the the uh, Producers Encore Award through the Fringe. We won uh, the Double Sweet Critics and Audience Award through Better Lemons. And perhaps most important, we won uh, the Screamiest Award from Midsummer Scream. Nice. That's so, great. That's wonderful. It was, it was a great experience. Um, so now we're bringing it back for the fall Halloween season. Oh. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to. We're doing five shows. The first one's going to be two weeks from tonight. Oh, and snap. It is, uh, it's in Ho Hollywood at the Complex Hollywood. If you want to get tickets, uh, just go to eventbrite.com and search for Dr. Zamba or Go Show. It'll come Zamba. right up. Um, this time, we added a new effect during the seance that um, 
one of our fans happens to be a magician at the Magic Castle. He gave us an idea. <gasps> Who is it? Um, and we're going to do some screenings of some horror shorts at the end of each performance because uh, the ghost shows would usually show a double feature, um, you know, after they did their their show as well. We can't we can't show two two feature length films, but we're going to kind of uh, mimic what they did a little bit more this time. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Who's your magician friend? Um, the guy, well, the guy Leo, who is the the medium who does the the seances at the Magic Castle. Very nice. cool. That sounds like okay, guys. Burlesque seances. Magic. That's all Matt, I need. Like, I know, right? I'm in. How much Stage are tickets? Show. Are they like tiered or? What? I'm sorry. What's that? How much are tickets? How much can people? Uh, tickets are twenty dollars. What a steal, guys! Not, what not, a steal! And I'll tell you right now, you can save five bucks a ticket using mm-hmm. discount code Haunt. H A U N T, everybody. $15 for all of that. Maddie can do escape plans and spell. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Uh, We've got to (laughs) go. Cranky gathering night out. Yes. I want to see the ghosts. Do do the ghosts do the burlesque? Me too. Do they take off their ghost? Listen, can you please stop talking about my Thursday nights? (laughs) I really appreciate it. (laughs) That is what. Well, here, I'll just, I'll read you a little bit of the copy off the back of our promo. Let's hear it. What you're in for, right? Yeah. All attendees must sign a medical waiver. We are not legally responsible if the ghost show scares you to death. Yes. Dr. Zomba's hypnotic spell. You'll never be the same. Win a real dead body. See Sirena's dead <laughs> banned in 47 countries. The mutilator thirsts for blood. Will it be yours? We make contact with the dead and unleash monsters from beyond the grave. Oh, Dr. Zomba's oh ghost show. We're, we're going. We're yep. going, guys. Let's do this. Let's pick a night. How many shows are you guys doing? Five. Five, um, again? So there's five shows. Um, most of the shows are midnight shows. We're actually doing Ooh. three shows um, the weekend of LA Comic Con, so I'm going to be in and out of there. Yeah. But um, there's a matinee show, 3 o'clock on the 27th. Okay. And then uh, the first show is October 20th, uh, two weeks from tonight. And then the last show is November 3rd. So once Halloween's over everywhere else... You can have one you last hurrah. Get your with last us. Okay. dose of ghosts. We gotta figure that out. All right, or yep. we'll be there. Yes, or we'll be cool. square. Or we'll be ghosts, <laughs> and we'll still be there. Oh man! Alrighty, <laughs> and um, thank you so much, Dave. That is awesome. Um, and can you share a little bit about what you're working on now? What we can look forward to in the future? I mean, we've got more Tinseltown. We've got more uh, vampire hunters. Well, what can we look forward to? Yeah, so the third volume is going to be out uh, in December. Once I get the Kickstarter fulfilled for that, I'll be selling it at cons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then um, Alterna's very happy with uh, Tinseltown, so we will be doing an expanded director's cut uh, graphic novel collection. Uh, That's that'll be, awesome. That'll be out um, for Comic-Con San Diego 2019, and then there will be a volume two of Tinseltown. Nice. Ooh, That's so exciting. I know what I'm buying. Uh, I'm excited. Yes. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. Uh, Please rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know how much you love this. Let us know if there's people that you'd like us to reach out to and talk to. Um, We want to hear from you. And check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps. And check out our website, thegrandgeekgathering.com, for our articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we even stream on Twitch. Well, soon, hopefully. <laughs> I need to get on that. I am lying to you. No, check it out. We're all over the place. Come say hi. The intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy Tinseltown at your local comic book shop. Let them know that they should order it for you. You can get it from Alterna Comics. You can get it all over the place. Meet this cool guy at a con. It's gorgeous hair too. Check it oh. out. It's also <laughs> only only a dollar fifty, which is super super cool. Support local indie comics. Yeah, make it happen. Yeah. I'll be at L.A. Comic-Con. I'll be disappearing in the middle of the day on Saturday for about for four hours show. to do a ghost show, but then I'll be back. <laughs> and then also see the go meet him at L.A. Comic-Con, then go see the ghost show and hit us up because we may be there. We're, mm. we're going to be there sometime because yeah, I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't say no to that. Maybe the Saturday. That's, it's happening, guys. It's a long day, but we can do it. We'll be there. Sounds or like be square. Or be ghosts. So or come ghosts. and join the gathering. Have a great week and GGG. Grand Geek Ghosts. Grand Geek Ghosts. <laughs> Hashtag ghosts. Thank you so much, David. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you. And I will see you uh, either at the Ghost Show or at LA Comic Con or both. Or both. Yeah. It's going to be oh, both. Yeah.